Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. Morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you after. What, I mean, one hell of a day. Are you kidding me? If you're, if you're a sports fan in Mississippi, sorry, if you're a sports fan in Mississippi, besides that, you are happy this morning. You are, I mean, just through the freaking roof this morning. What a day. Yesterday, you had the comeback of a lifetime. Possibly the comeback of a lifetime. You, you don't want your team to be down by 25 points to have to come back from 25 points very often, but the comeback of a lifetime on the Plains in Auburn and then the nightcap after college game day, Old Miss uh, really just beat up on Texas A&M, the more physical football team. Something that I did not expect to see in this game uh, was that, but a big win nonetheless. So Old Miss fans happy. Mississippi State fans happy. What a day. We've got here. Uh, what a morning. What a weekend. And so much happened in college football, too. I mean, it wasn't just those. It was Oklahoma going down. You had uh, at least for one second, or uh, one drive anyway, Alabama was down to New Mexico State. You had um, LSU, Arkansas, Missouri, surprisingly to me, beat up on South Carolina. I know the score was close, but the game was not as close as the score would indicate. So there's just so much to get to. And I'm glad to see you guys on this Sunday. So every other recap from here on out, I promise you, every single recap from here on out will be of the Saturday night variety. Of the Saturday night variety. Every one from here on out. This is the last time you're going to have to wake up on a Sunday morning early to uh, to join me. But I'm glad you guys have. If you're watching on Twitter, by the way, my name is Michael Borky. It's everywhere anyway but uh you cannot comment if you're on twitter you've got to do it over on youtube or facebook so find me there michael borky on youtube or facebook uh subscribe to the youtube channel if you haven't already actually like the video if you like what you hear that would help me a ton and uh, click the little notification bell so you never miss when uh when i go live so again if you're on twitter hop on over to youtube if you want to be a part like Brown Yeti has so far. Good morning in Hale State, he says. I bet you're feeling really good this morning. I cannot wait to read to you the drive chart of the second half of the State-Auburn game. It's hard to believe that that drive chart that I'm going to read to you happened in the same game where State was just getting absolutely spanked in the first half. Just spanked. 28-3, to you guys know this already. It was 28-3 to at halftime just getting spanked, and then the drive chart in the second half. The complete and total change of direction in that game, is it's, it's truly hard to believe. I mean, it happened. You saw it. You watched it. It happened. It's hard to believe it happened still this morning in the manner in which it did. Mississippi State, I mean, with the comeback of a lifetime, really. I mean, that, that may never happen. Uh, on the football field again for you guys. So enjoy it because it's one that you will never or should never forget. Memphis Rebel says, is it a crazy thing to say that Will Rogers may be the best returning quarterback next season? I don't think so. I mean, who, who's back? So Corral's gone. Um, is there anybody else in the, I mean, Bryce Young? I, I'm not impressed with Bryce Young. I know a lot of people are and Heisman Trophy and all that, whatever. I, I am not impressed with him. it's to me the same as really any Alabama quarterback. I mean, Mac Jones, notwithstanding he's doing well in new England, but Alabama quarterbacks have won a lot of games since Nick Saban has been there and they've played really well since Nick Saban has been there in part because of program and talent around them and scheme and all that. I'm just, I'm not impressed with Bryce Young, but Bryce Young next year will be preseason first team, all SEC and all that. Uh, he will because of where who who he plays for 
we'll, we'll make that be the case. But with what Rodgers is doing right now, uh, with the way he's played the last few weeks, it's in part due to system, but also in part due to tremendous growth uh, that, that he has made over the last few weeks. Uh, I mean, it's it's completely night and day different from a year ago. And I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to like toot my own horn or say I told you so or whatever. But this is what I was talking about this summer when you had state fans that were saying that, you know, Jack Abraham's going to beat him out or, or this freshman Sawyer Robertson's going to come in and take his job. I, I mean, it, that was always kind of silly to me and unrealistic. Um First of all, Will Rogers was thrown into a situation last year that no freshman would have been prepared for. SEC only schedule as somebody else was preparing in the offseason to be the starter. Uh, just writing him off the way some people did, I thought was so silly because no quarterback at all, not a single one, is a finished product when they're a true freshman. Not one. Not a single one. And so this is what you're seeing Natural progression at the quarterback position. The, the raw ability was always there, but now it's really, really coming together. And what's most important is even last week, even last week, uh, in a game in which they lost, he made his best plays when it mattered the most. They just couldn't kick field goals. When it mattered most last week on the road, Will Rogers made plays. And this week, down by 25 freaking points, and the second half was just efficient touchdown drive after efficient touchdown drive. And kid's a gamer. I mean, he's just he's becoming what you were hoping he would be. Brown Yeti and the soon-to-be new SEC members went down. Yeah, what a hell of a day for the Big 12, right? Oklahoma loses at Baylor, and they. By the way, Caleb Williams for Heisman. I, I know that uh, ESPN was really pushing that for some. Just ridiculous reason. Uh, but that narrative is over. Uh, it's almost like he played against Kansas and TCU and Texas Tech in the first real team he's seen so far beat him. Uh, I'm not writing him off, though. I think he's got ability that uh, will make him a fantastic quarterback. But the narrative that ESPN especially was pushing about him and the freaking Heisman Trophy was so stupid. And I'm glad that we can be done with that. Now, so yeah, they lose. Texas loses to Kansas again. Texas is winless since uh, Pole Assassin. Uh, Pole Assassin's monkey bit a kid on Halloween. They haven't won since. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was brutal. David says the fake field goal call was awful. Um, if he falls forward, it's not. But I, I understand. I mean, if you're going to go for it on fourth down, maybe just let Matt Corral operate, you know? I, I mean, there's a reason he's going to be a first-round pick in, in next year's draft. It, it, if you're going to go for it on fourth down, maybe let him be the guy who makes the decisions instead of, you know, a specialist. That that would make things a little bit easier. The, the fourth down play calling and not kicking field goals and stuff, it, this is what it's going to be at this point. This is what they are. Um, it worked. Remember early in the game, Ole Miss scored a touchdown going for it on fourth down where a field goal would have been an appropriate option. When it works, everybody lo loves it. They just love it. Oh, my gosh, what risky play calling that pays off. And when it doesn't work, it's he's a bum and – you know, coaching reckless or whatever, this is what they're going to be. They're going to be incredibly aggressive on fourth downs. Now, I think you can't just look at a book. You've got to kind of get a feeling for the game as well. And when, when your defense, when Ole Miss's defense was playing as well as they were, it's okay to take points there. You didn't have to go score. I mean, the prevailing feeling last year and earlier this season for Ole Miss was you got to kind of have to score on every possession. That's why I defended the fourth down decision so much in the Alabama game, because in this game, you're going to have to score on every possession if you're going to keep up, or at least that's how you have to feel. Last night wasn't the case. Your defense, forgive my language on a Sunday morning, was kicking Texas A&M's ass. And so you see that happening. You know that's happening. You can take points. You can kick field goals because you don't have to score touchdowns on every possession. You don't have to necessarily 
maximize every possession when your defense is playing as well as Ole Misses did last night. So, you know, there's a couple of times where I thought he should have kicked field goals and he did not, but that that is what they are going to be. They are going to go for it on fourth down. They are going to do it, and when it works, it looks great like it did with the touchdown pass to Drummond, and when it doesn't work, everybody's calling Lane, uh, Lane a bum. This is kind of how it is. Good morning, William. Glad to see you. Chase says, can we call this show the Borky Breakdown? That might be the best one I've heard yet. That might be the best one I've heard yet. I think this might just end up being a running joke at this point, is what am I going to name this and never actually name it anything. Brown Yeti says, young Rodgers and maybe a transfer into Ole Miss or Arkansas. Uh, Well, if Arkansas doesn't roll with with Jefferson in the next season, they're crazy. I mean, unless, like, they can get – an unexpectedly really good transfer. If I were them, I would I would roll with what I got. Um, but that's just me. Yeah, Ole Miss is probably going to dab into the transfer market. Um, Spencer Rattler may not be available anymore. I mean, if, if he's got a starting job back at Oklahoma, I mean, who knows? Maybe he finishes the year and go to the NFL. But, yeah, I expect Ole Miss to, to get a transfer to play quarterback for them next year. There's going to be a lot of options, uh, good options talented options at quarterback but yeah it'll be it'll Bryce Young will be first team all SEC although I I'm not as impressed with him and it's not like a homer thing I mean you guys know me um I'm just I'm not impressed with him I'm more impressed at this point with Rodgers than I am with Bryce Young but anyway Luke says I've been waiting for this show since the end of the Mississippi State Auburn game huge win and a huge loss all over the alliance yeah how about that um, let me read that drive chart to you. I, I've been holding this. This is just this underscores how incredibly dominant the second half was for, for Mississippi State and how how much work they had to do to come back in a game like that. And just the night and day difference between first half and second half for this team. Here's the drive chart. So I'm gonna start with the third quarter where Mississippi State got the football. Started it on their own 25, seven plays, 75 yards touchdown. Took three minutes and 30 seconds off the clock. Auburn gets the football. They go five plays, 21 yards. They punt. Took a minute 50. State gets the ball back. They actually punted on the next, or excuse me, they received the punt on their own two-yard line. 10 plays, 98 yards, touchdown. Auburn gets the ball back. Seven plays, 46 yards, missed field goal. State gets the ball back. Oh, no, they made the field goal. State gets the ball back. Six plays, 72 yards, touchdown. Auburn, three plays, negative nine yards, punt. State, five plays, 55 yards, touchdown. Auburn, seven plays, 20 yards, turnover on downs. State, four plays, 45 yards, touchdown. Auburn actually scored a touchdown on the next possession, and then that ended the game. So, so here we go. Here are State's possessions to start the third quarter. Seven plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Ten plays, 98 yards, touchdown. Six plays, 72 yards, touchdown. Five plays, 55 yards, touchdown. Four plays, 45 yards, touchdown. That was your second half. Coming out of the locker room when you're getting, I mean, you're, you're getting absolutely smoked. But here's the thing. You knew, I mean, I, I, I put it on Twitter. I, I was surprised that State was getting out physical the way they were in the first half. Auburn looked like the more physical team. But you knew and you should have known. I guess some people don't. Um, you know, emotions getting into it and stuff. You knew, though, that Zach Arnett's defense is good enough to keep Auburn in check. Uh, to overcome a 25-point deficit? Hell no. I mean, I'm not telling you in the first half I thought that State was going to win that game because nobody did. However, uh, you should not at all be surprised that State was able to shut Auburn down in the second half, and then they finally started moving the football. Arnett's defense is good. He does not get near enough credit for how good his defense is. Uh, There are some NFL players on that side of the ball, uh, despite what people with emotions say. there are NFL players on that side of the ball. It's not the most dominant defensive line that Mississippi State has ever had, but it's still a unit that can do in the second half what State did in the second half to Auburn. 
I mean, Bo Nix's numbers look really good when you look at them just on a box score. He was 27 to 41 for 377 and two touchdowns. He was completely ineffective in the second half, and then he got hurt, uh, which kind of ended that game. Auburn averaged under four yards per carry in this game. Auburn, whose strength is running the football uh, with Tank Bigsby um, and 106 yards total. Bigsby had 16 carries for 41 yards. That's 2.6 per carry against that state defense. Uh, That's just incredibly impressive. And on the flip side, Will Rogers, man. I mean, (laughs) just what a day. What, What an unbelievable day. In this comeback, he was 44 of 55 for 415 and six touchdowns. But here's the big number. Circle it, circle it, circle it. Zero interceptions, no turnovers. He was sacked twice in the game on 57 dropbacks. You'll take that against this defensive front. He didn't turn the football over. He he didn't turn the football over and threw six touchdown passes. I mean, this is what this state team is going to do. If they play clean like this, this is what they're going to do. This is what they're going to be. Uh, Penalties. Mississippi State, one of the most penalized teams in all of college football. In all of college football, they're they're in the 120s or going into the weekend, they were in the 120s in terms of penalties for game. Five penalties, 40 yards in this football game. Yes, Rodgers was exceptional. Yes, he was. Six touchdowns, great. Efficiency, off the charts, comeback, all that. But the reason why they were able to do that, no turnovers, no costly penalties. That simple. Memphis Rebel says, do you think Levy is still gone after the season or is he back next year? I feel like his prospects of leaving are getting slimmer. Now, as the coaching carousel goes, you know, jobs potentially like, I don't know, like a North Texas or whatever could come open, things like that. I still expect him to be gone. However, Ole Miss is not playing good offense right now, truthfully. Um, They're winning games because of their defense right now, largely. Um, I still think he's gone because I think people that are making these hires should be smart enough to recognize the, the nuance with why they've struggled a little bit offensively lately. He's still an incredibly creative offensive mind, and if you want to be a head coach, the opportunities are going to come open. Um, so those prospects are slimming to me, but I still think he'd be gone. Craig says Ole Miss should have won the game by 25, but he'll take it. I think you're talking about Ole Miss there. Either way, yeah. Um, yeah, they should have. Memphis Rebel says Ole Miss, at least for the rest of the season, is now an under team. Who'd have thunk it? I'm not me. I, I sure did not expect last night for Texas A&M, first of all, to only have 140 yards on the ground. I didn't expect that at all. And I sure as hell did not expect anybody to run for 257. And that's sack adjusted, by the way. So Corral had negative five yards because of sacks. Um, So that would have been, what, 262 on almost five yards per carry against this Texas A&M front. There's no way you would have told me that Ole Miss would have dominated defensively the way they did. Flat out dominated defensively the way they did. Going AM scored that that drive in garbage time where I hate what Ole Miss does when they have leads, by the way, with their defense. They just hand just I know you're in prevent and all that, but they they give up when they have a lead late in a game, it's too easy for teams to move down the field and score on this Ole Miss team. They have to make adjustments there in, in garbage time, but save that late garbage time touchdown from A&M as after the game was already decided. A&M had 13 points. Ole Miss's defense had nine. You, you dominated. Spiller couldn't get anything going. I mean, his stat line in this game, 15 carries for 41 yards on 2.7 per. I, I truly cannot believe that that happened. I can't believe that that happened. A&M's too good up front for that to be the case, and yet, here you are. So Ole Miss dominated the line of scrimmage in this game. Uh, they had two separate scoring instances, a pick six and a safety. And they earned that safety, by the way. Physically dominated Texas A&M. I, of all the ways that I would have seen them winning this game, beating the crap out of A&M the way they did, physically beating A&M the way they did, is not something that I saw coming. 
There, there's no way you would have convinced me that that was going to happen going into the game. I would not have believed you. I know they're playing better defensively. They, they are. They're play, they have been playing better defensively the last few weeks. They're becoming just a good unit at this point. But I would not have believed you if you would have told me it would have been, again, forgive my language on a Sunday, an ass-kicking the way Ole Miss's defense kicked Texas A&M's ass in that game. That's what that was, and I would not have believed you going into it that uh, that, that would have been the case. Um, Sam Williams, by the way, his stat line doesn't stand out to you very much. Um, let's see. He had six tackles. Uh, he had that one TFL. Um, and they only list one quarterback hurry. That's inaccurate. Um, Williams is making himself money every week. Sometimes sacks don't tell the whole story. Ole Miss led the SEC in sacks going into this game. They only had one. Uh, but their defensive line was constantly, especially late in the, in the second half and beyond, getting pressure, affecting throws and timing. But in the run game, controlling the line of scrimmage there was uh, was really impressive. So the numbers don't jump out at you, but it was another good week uh, for a guy that continues to to make himself more and more money. Let's go back to the comments here. Brown Yeti says, are we calling it the pole assassin monkey curse? The Pam curse. The Pam curse. I like it. Yeah, we're, it, we'll we're go with that. It's the Pam curse. Guys, Texas lost to Kansas last night. <laughs> okay, I, I heard somebody compare it to losing to Vanderbilt. Mm-mm. Kansas is not Vanderbilt. Kansas, Kansas wishes they were Vanderbilt. At least Vanderbilt sometimes like can have, uh, at least lately. I know Kansas went to the Orange Bowl in like 2007, but Kansas wishes they had Notre or Vanderbilt's record. Kansas is the bottom of the Power Five barrel, worse than Rutgers. This is not the equivalent of losing to Vanderbilt. This is the equivalent of losing to Vanderbilt's second and third team, and it. Being Texas, with all the money they invested to get rid of Herman to hire Steve Sarkeesian and all of the hype about, all oh, the Longhorns are back this time, and it's finally going to work this time, and you lose to Kansas at home. You know, everybody keeps calling Texas a you know a top-five job in college football. And it should be. I'm not going to go Max Kellerman on you and tell you that it that it shouldn't be. But at some point, aren't your results who you are? Why is it that people can't win there? Why is it that Charlie Strong, who was incredible at Louisville, can't win there? And then Tom Herman, who was the OC on a national championship team and a very good head coach at Houston, can't win there. Why is it that Sarkeesian in year one, who, by the way, all, all of his troubles aside when he was a head coach, is a good one, and last year was crowned as the greatest offensive mind in college football, goes there and loses to Kansas? Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, Texas isn't as easy of a job as people want it to be. I mean, you are what your results say you are. At some point, though, oh, they've got all this money and all this recruiting and all this. Then why don't they produce? At some point, you are who you are. And if your numbers tell you you're not good, maybe you're not good. I don't know. That's just me. Ole Miss 902 asking if Ole Miss is in the top 10 come Tuesday night. Let me pull up the rankings right now, and uh, I'll tell you. Baylor might move up is the the only thing that I'd be. Why does Google give you the AP top 25? That's why, why would they do that? All right, let's see. Let's see here. Coswell playoff rankings from November 9th. Okay, so Ole Miss was 15 going into this. Ahead of them, they should, I don't even know what they did, but they should jump BYU because Ole Miss's resume at this point is better. Uh, Baylor will move up. I expect Ole Miss to get ahead of BYU, so they'll at least go to 14. I expect them to get ahead of Wake Forest. They should anyway. Um, So at least to 13. They should get ahead of Texas A&M, so at least to 12. 
They should get ahead of Oklahoma, so at least to 11. I don't think they'll pass Oklahoma State. Notre Dame won. Yeah, Oklahoma State. They beat the crap out of TCU, so they won't go there. Um, maybe they won't jump Wake Forest. I, I don't know. It'll be somewhere around 11, 12, because Wake Forest beat NC State, who's who's ranked, and that's a good win for Wake Forest and all that. But, yeah, I don't think they'll move up as much as people want them to, or honestly, they should. But they'll pass Oklahoma, so they'll get to 14. They'll pass A&M, so they'll get to 13. They'll pass BYU, so they'll get to 12. That's probably where they're going to settle. Probably where they're going to settle, I think. David says, the Ole Miss defense is playing lights out right now. I never thought I would say that. Egg Bowl is going to be a slugfest. Yeah, my gosh, I cannot. That That is going to be a football game that people just need to watch. Like I know it's been a spectacle, and if you listen to me long enough, you know I have thoughts on that and how it's honestly kind of embarrassing, and you don't want to be the, oh, you got to watch the Egg Bowl because – Players are going to fight, or something stupid is going to happen, and ha ha ha! Look at the look at Ole Miss and State. You don't want to be that. You don't want to be college football's point and look rivalry. You want them to watch because the teams are good, not because the teams don't like each other. Um, that's just my opinion. This is a different year. This is you've got to watch these teams play because they're uh, Ole Miss's defense is playing at an extremely high level. Will Rogers is playing at an extremely high level. Uh, you've got great quarterback play. Uh, you, yeah, uh, it will, will be a spectacular atmosphere. This is an Egg Bowl that people are going to watch because the teams and not because of hatred, which is a really nice, refreshing change. And this is what it needs to be forever. Um, I know I'll, I have learned a lot of people don't like my thoughts on the Egg Bowl. I think some people take it in ways that brings it down where they do this life or death stuff. And it's, it's a battle of morals and identities and all. I just, I think that's crap. Honestly, um, this game should be about the quality of the game. Why the iron bowl? Yes. There's so much hatred in the iron bowl. I understand that. And then you get these unfortunate stories about people and, small towns around Alabama that do really bad things after the Iron Bowl ends. Um, but there's a that game's compelling because the teams are good and the game is good. Ohio State-Michigan is compelling because it's filled with rich tradition and not necessarily finger-point-and-laugh stuff. It's because there's pageantry and there's really good teams and they play important games. And that's not what we've had here and too much people or too many people around here emphasize the hate side. The, the it's the battle of morals and uh, ideological differences. And you no, know, it, it's like you guys live in the same damn state. I, I mean, the, anyway, um, this year is what it should be. It's a big game because the teams are good, and you want to watch because you get to see quality football, and you've got two coaches that really respect each other you know that's how it should be that's what a rivalry is yeah you can hate each other of course but the the people that think the egg bowl is every day of the year it, i just i i think that that is very uh, a mentality that brings a, a program down if your sole focus if all year you're fighting the egg bowl all year you'll never win anything worth a damn if that's the mentality. So finally, we get to see what I've been talking about, what the game should be. Because guys, Thanksgiving night is a hell of a lot more interesting for the rest of the country because the teams are good. It's going to be quality football and not spectacle football. That's what it should be. That's what we should want it to be. And I can't wait for it. Sachs is essentially the winner of the Egg Bowl will finish second in the West. Yeah. This is what you envisioned when these guys were hired. Almost 902 says, it looked to me like 
it looked to me that Auburn played a lot of man-to-man, especially in the second half. That's not how you beat State. What I didn't like and what you can't do now if you're playing State. So it, it worked really well last year against Mississippi State. The rush three, drop eight. It worked. Everybody did it because three were getting home. You could rush three and comfortably play defense bringing three because State's five couldn't block the opponent's three. And it worked. And that's why they couldn't move the football, because three guys were applying pressure and getting sacks with eight in coverage. You can't really do that anymore. And Auburn did a lot of that in the second half. They they came out of the gate kind of conservative. And because of that, Will Rogers picked them apart. You're not beating State anymore with rush three, drop eight. Alabama can, but like everybody else. You're not beating State anymore with rush three, drop eight. Because three aren't getting home anymore. They're occasionally, sure. But that's not something that you can do consistently against this team anymore. It's just bring three and drop everybody in coverage. Because even if you have eight guys back in his own coverage, eventually receivers are going to get open and Rodgers is comfortable enough right now to find them. So what you have to do now, what Ole Miss will have to do, because Tennessee Tech or State or whoever, doesn't matter. Um, what Ole Miss will have to do is what they've been doing against others lately is they will bring only three, but they will have an additional blitzer come from somewhere, whether it be Chance Campbell um, doing his delayed blitz where he kind of reads protection and then goes, or maybe Jake Springer off the edge, something like that will be uh, what Ole Miss will do uh, against State because just bringing three is not enough against this team anymore. You can't do that. You've got to bring an additional guy to get some pressure to force checkdowns or something like that, because giving Rodgers a pocket all day to throw, he's going to beat you now. Last year, he couldn't beat you. Now, he can, and he will, and you see the results. Auburn learned the hard way in the second half what you do when you don't apply pressure to Will Rogers. He picks you apart, and you give up a massive lead and an embarrassing loss at home and a comeback of a lifetime for State. Sorry. It's okay. Um, Luke's is very impressed with the Ole Miss defense last night. That may be the most improved unit in the conference. Night and day. God, go back and watch the Arkansas game. Go back and watch the Arkansas game. It's a completely different, completely different unit. They're playing confidently. Uh, Defensive line play has been really good. Those three guys are controlling the line of scrimmage well. You're getting great play from Robinson and Campbell. Uh, safeties are stepping up and making plays. Coverage is better. This is what I tried to tell people after the Arkansas game when people were doing the whole fire dirk in the 3-2-5 won't work, and it was written in a shrinking publication here in the state that the scheme is bad and they've got to change that. And, you know, hand up. I got that one right. It was not the scheme. It was in part the player's executing the scheme and then what they were doing especially like on obvious passing downs they've made some adjustments the 326 can work it can work and Ole Miss is proving that it can work you've got to get quality line play and they're getting it um the the strong safeties or whatever they call that position that Springer plays is incredibly important and when he got kicked out for targeting Sistrunk came in and played the position well it can work and that's what I tried to tell people Right now, it's not the scheme as much as it is the execution of the scheme, and then they have to make some adjustments, especially on passing downs. They've done that, and look look at what has happened. It's almost like people that you know have a pedigree of being good coaches will eventually find a way uh, to coach teams up. But Campbell's been good. Springer's been good. Um, Sam Williams has made himself a lot of money. They're getting better every week, more confident every week. And last night, I keep using this phrase because it, it's true. They kicked Texas A&M's ass last night. That's what they did. That's simple. Ole Miss's defense dominated Texas A&M last night with the exception of one drive late in the game when the outcome was already decided. Otherwise, it was an ass kicking. They had nine points defensively. <laughs> did not see that coming. Not like that. Did not see that coming like that. Jason says State's defense is fantastic when the offense helps them at all. They just can't get tired because there's no depth yet. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, Auburn did that to Ole Miss. 
I mean, the state game, from Auburn's perspective, went the same way as the Ole Miss game. Auburn scored on four of their first five possessions against Ole Miss and three points for the rest of the game. Auburn scores 28 points in the first half against Mississippi State and then only scored when it didn't matter anymore late. Zach Arnett made adjustments. I, I'm a big fan of his. I really am. And and there's dudes on that defense. It, Auburn was not or is not a more physical football team offense versus defense than State. They just were in the first half. State settled in, and and you saw what happened. And um, there are SEC players on State's defense, and they can make plays, and look at what happens when they do. Um, Memphis Rebel says, if healthy, MSU will have to double-team Sam Williams. That's going to be a game within the game to watch, is uh, left tackle versus defensive end. Yeah, I mean, you've got um, first-rounder at left tackle, Mid-rounder, playing defensive end for Ole Miss. Your your little game within the game, that'll be fun to watch in the Egg Bowl. That matchup between those two guys, that'll be a lot of fun. Brown Yeti says, this is year four from Moorhead, first, from Moorhead's first year, which was the year we were loaded to compete for the SEC. Next year is going to be big for State. It is. Um, they'll have an exceptional offense next year. I mean, they return basically everybody. They'll lose a couple of offensive linemen, but all the skill guys plus quarterback are back, and that's a big deal. Where they are defensively next year is the X factor for for State. Is um, I mean, they'll lose you know big pieces in the secondary. I'm curious to see what Zach Arnett's next move is. I, I wonder if he wants to be a head coach or, or something like that. You know, and. It happened last year, too, and he stuck around. So I'm not saying he's leaving. I'm not doing that. Um, but you know people are going to come calling for him, just like they did a year ago. State was able to fend off suitors last year. I certainly think that they will be able to do it again. But I wonder what his future is or what he wants. You know, some guys just are happy being coordinators forever. Brent Venables being an example of that. I would like to know what his aspirations are. If he wants to be a head coach, if, you know, if that's afforded to him, we'll see. William says, Ole Miss's defense surprised me. The question is, which Ole Miss defense shows up to the Egg Bowl? I I, I mean, I think State's going to be able to score, but I have a feeling this defense is who they are. You know what I mean? I think it's just a good unit now. I mean, they've done this. Weeks in a row, I mean, it was Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M. I think this is who they are now. That doesn't mean I don't think State's going to score or anything like that. But um, this, the way they play travels. And so it's not, a, it's not like a good D, bad, like a good bow, bad bow thing. I think this is just that what they've become, who they've improved into. Jason says, "Quit picking on, stop picking on Kansas. They're playing okay and haven't quit. I'm impressed with their first year or second year coach. Yeah, Leopold was a good hire for them, but come on, man. Let's be honest. That roster should not be Texas ever, 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 ever. That roster that Kansas is able to get should never, ever, ever beat Kansas." Memphis Rebel, back when I was talking about Texas and results, is if that's the case, then Florida's a dead program now, and it won't matter who's the coach. No, that's not what I'm saying. Again, I, I, I'm not – I realize that Texas has all these resources, but, I mean, Will Muschamp won 11 games at Florida. Dan Mullen went to the SEC Championship last year and two years ago won 11 games. It's not the same as what Texas is – what, ha- what Texas has been. This is Florida's down right now. I mean, again, I mean, Mullen might get fired this year, a year after he went to the SEC championship. Kansas isn't going to the, or Texas hasn't gone to the Big 12 championship like in, what was it, like 15 years? It's been a while. 
A little bit different. Prognetti says, Vanderbilt, at least they can say football players aren't really smart enough to enroll here. Kansas can't say that as a state school. Yeah, and I mean, when Franklin was there, Vanderbilt was pretty salty. John says, do you think Lane is into self-harm with some of the analytics play call decisions he makes? Uh, Yeah, should have kicked field goals last night with the way his defense was playing. Should have. But... You know, they went for it on fourth down early in the game and got it and scored a touchdown. So it worked then. You, you gotta. Uh, what, what's the frame? You can't. If you can't have me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Isn't that what people say on Instagram or whatever when their boyfriend breaks up with them or something? Um, that's the same thing here. It, it is who he is, and it does work. I mean, that early touchdown was big for Ole Miss, and that was on a fourth down. The play calling is more of my issue. It's a, a swing pass on fourth and goal to Casey Kelly. It's a, a fake punt instead of just giving the ball to Matt Corral. Um, that kind of stuff. That's more of what bothers me. It, rather than the decisions, it's what you do when you make the decision. Is more of my issue, but that's a hindsight thing, I guess. David says, Leach and Kiffin have lowered the temperature of the rivalry as an Ole Miss fan. Leach is really likable. Yeah, and I know Ole Miss did the we run the sip thing last year, and that really bothered some people and, you know, bothered some people that get credentials as media that that rubbed them the wrong way. But, yeah, the temperature has been lowered. Next week you're going to get, Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach both speaking positively about each other, and the game will be about the game. The game will be about the game, which is nice. Memphis Rebel, I do agree with you, though. Both schools can meet on Wednesday, sing peace songs, and outside people media will still say you should watch it. There will be fights and jawing, and there, there will be some jawing and stuff. It is a rivalry game after all. But, yeah, you're. I mean, people are still going to, try to sell it as a spectacle, but that's the thing. That's why you don't want to be that because once you get that label, you're always going to be that. Um, anyway, we'll talk a lot about that. We'll talk a lot about that next week. And what's going to be hard is to avoid the egg bowl conversations because, um, why do I keep saying I'm this morning? What's wrong with me? Because, it's Vanderbilt and Tennessee State or Tech or whoever the hell. I mean, nobody's going to care about the games this weekend at all, like not even a little. And so everybody's going to be talking about the Egg Bowl this week, which I'm fine with that. I'm good with that. Gets clicks and all that stuff. Like I, I'm, I'm cool with that. However, however, I want to so badly just keep the Egg Bowl week the Egg Bowl week, and I can't because of who the teams are playing before. These are walkthroughs. Even Vanderbilt's a walkthrough. Like, when you started the season, you looked at the schedule and thought, well, State gets a bit of a break before the Egg Bowl. They have a FCS team, and Ole Miss has to play a conference game. Well, Liberty would beat Vanderbilt by four touchdowns, okay? Like, this is not a uh, – Ole Miss will be able to rest a lot of guys. So both teams will get that tune-up, if you will, before the game. I'm with you, Brown. Yeah, yeah, jawing is kind of part of a rivalry. We just leave it on the field. It's all that needs to happen. Just leave it on the field. Jason says, some people, Borky, haven't grown out of small-town gossip nonsense, and it infects everything. You do a good job of being unbiased, as far as I can tell. Thank you. Screw those whining butt clowns. I hear you. I hear you. Chase is pulling for your rival just because they're in your state. This was in response to uh, to William is like pulling for the devil just because he's in the Bible. <laughs> I hear you, man. I hear you. No, I, I'm not saying that you should not like want your rival to lose games. I'm not that naive. Of course you should. Like, Ole Miss fans should not have wanted State to win the national championship in baseball, for example. Like, you don't want your – State fans should have been pulling for A&M last night. Like, yeah, of course. Some people take it way too far and and turn it into something beyond just fun football stuff. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've heard stories about people losing friends over the outcome of a football game. 
That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That That's what I'm talking about. It, it's that where you claim moral superiority over another because of a football game. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That That's pathetic to me. And it, and it really, that mentality can bleed into a program and hurt it. Because if that's all you give a damn about, if it's just win the Egg Bowl and everything else is fine, then you're not going to win anything. You think Nick Saban gives a damn about Auburn until Auburn week? He's got bigger aspirations in beating Auburn. It's important. He recognizes that, of course. But if you want to get your program to the, the next level, stop giving a shit about what Ole Miss or, or Mississippi State do until you're playing them that week. But again, I, I am told that I don't understand. I've lived in the state for 11 years, but I, I don't understand. So, sorry. I, William and Chase are arguing. I hear, I, you know, let's uh, let's keep it civil around here. They are a very bend but don't break defense. The thing about Ole Miss is they're they're opportunistic. That's where they've really improved. Is they get big plays on defense, sacks, turnovers. That's where they've really flourished the last few weeks. Is that they get explosive defensive plays. That's where. They've uh, they've gotten better. Brown Yeti taking shots now. I said, if any Mississippi school is evil, it's Southern Miss right now. And it's just mean what they are making people watch. They did yesterday. Southern Miss played an entire football game in Wildcat. They've been so, so, so um, injury depleted, especially at quarterback. They ran the Wildcat for an entire game and played UTSA, who's ranked and undefeated, really close yesterday. Those guys are still playing hard. There's just not very many of them. There's not very many of them. Jeff says, Ole Miss has arrived when you can be 8-2, and two, beat the number 11 team, and still question the past calling. Yeah, that's a really good point, man. I mean, perspective... And I'm I'm guilty of that right now. Perspective is completely lost today. Where I'm sitting here, ah, they, you shouldn't have done that. Don't like that. They beat the number eleven team in the country to go to eight and two. That happened yesterday. Mississippi State came back from twenty five points to beat a ranked team on the road. Or did Auburn fall out of the top twenty five? I think they were still ranked, weren't they? I should know this. Yeah, they were. They were number 17. I'm an idiot. Sorry, that was embarrassing. Um, I mean, that happened yesterday. It's crazy. It's uh, it's crazy. I did not expect... I mean, after the first half, it, both of those outcomes I'm shocked by. Not that State won, but after the first half, I am shocked that they won. And I am shocked that Ole Miss was as physically dominant of, uh, of Texas A&M as they were. Absolutely, completely, and totally shocked by those outcomes. Brown Eddie says, in a cool coincidence for you, Kansas won 57 to 56 and snapped a 56 game conference losing a road game conference losing streak. So they had to outscore that 56 game streak. What a stat. There's your stat of the day. That's awesome. John says, A&M cheerleaders were doing the horns down last night. Last I checked, they were not playing Texas little brother complex. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about right there. What, what what are you doing this for? What, what are you doing? You're not playing Texas. You're playing Ole Miss, a team that's beating you badly, by the way. Why are you focused on Texas? Their fight song literally sings about Texas. But why are you focused on Texas? What are you even thinking about them? It's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That's mm. Memphis Rebel says there are a lot of Bama fans with that mental superiority complex just because they're a football program. On spring break, when I was in college, we were sitting on the beach, and Alabama fans walked by. Or Alabama students walked by, not fans, students. And, you know, we had flags up and all that stuff. And one guy stopped and said, you guys go to Ole Miss? We are like, yeah. Um, and they said, yeah, yeah, you know, Oxford's cool. Ole Miss is cool, but, like, you know, you don't have 15 national championships like we do, so it kind of sucks, right? <laughs> Dude, like... It's it's the third week of March. 
we're here drinking beer on the beach. Like, what the hell are you talking? Who cares? That, that, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's cool, but like, you don't have 15 national championships. Yeah, like 11 of those were won before your parents were born, you weirdo. But anyway, am I doing a live show after the Egg Bowl? Absolutely. Am I doing a live show after the Egg Bowl? Yeah, I will. Um, I was thinking about doing it Friday morning just to avoid some of the vitriol that will happen. People that aren't usually in this will join and say things that I can't moderate. That's what I'm afraid of. I don't know. I'll I'll see. And if it gets too ugly, I'll I'll probably end it and do something the next morning. But what I don't want to happen here is have that creep into what I'm doing. The radio show's got a big audience and a huge following and all that, I know. Despite what some people tell you, that radio show has an extremely large audience, um, regardless of what is said on a message board. Um, We've got numbers to prove it. Anyway, um, the stuff that I do like this, it's a small audience, very small, obviously, but it's a really respectful one. And... I don't want that to change after the Egg Bowl. And so if it's going to get like that, I, I don't. I never want that to be a part of my programming. Like if at any point in my career, if I'm doing radio in this state, I'm not going to engage in that kind of stuff. It's just not going to be for me. Like I won't let a color just. Yeah, Some people think that's the right approach. I don't. I disagree with it. I, I saw a radio show in South Carolina had a Clemson blogger on to talk about Shane Beamer and leaving for Virginia Tech. And, and that the only reason why you do something like that is just to stoke reaction. That's it. Um, and that maybe that's a model that works. Maybe that for long-term, doing stuff like that works, but you cannot build respect and rapport and dedication from an audience if you're doing shit like that. Like, could you imagine me getting certain Ole Miss or state fans that have media credentials and there's, you know who they are to talk about the other and coaching search about the other, you know, no, that's only to stroke a reaction. And that just completely damages credibility. And some people in this business can just go on about it uh, with no credibility whatsoever. And, And they're fine with that because they get people to call them idiots in their mentions, and they think that all publicity is good publicity. I don't buy that. I think the best course of action long-term is to have a dedicated audience that understands that you're going to tell them how it is and not try to just make them mad for reaction purposes. Why do you think Dan Patrick still has hundreds of affiliates and in a wildly successful show? You know what he doesn't do? Intentionally make people mad for the hell of it. So, anyway. Anyway, that was a bit of a soapbox there about after the Egg Bowl. Jason says, can we talk about how Kevin Sumlin, Jimbo Fisher is? They should not still be losing to both Mississippi schools if it's a fireable offense. Well, that's the third time since 2014, the third time since they joined the league, that Texas A&M has lost to both Mississippi schools in the same year. It's the third time. All that oil money you've done buy you wins, does it? No. David says, I just hope the refs don't determine the winner. It will get nasty. Yeah, I, I hope so too. But, you know, with SEC officials and, and how they are. So, anyway. Yeah, really good wins. Uh, Ole Miss was healthy, and that health really helped them offensively. The red zone offense was pathetic, though. I mean, six times inside the red zone, and he scored two touchdowns. That... There were four of six, two field goals, two touchdowns. That is unacceptable, and that's not winning the Egg Bowl. They have got to get better in the red zone. Between the 20s, Ole Miss's offense was unbelievable. Once they got in the red zone, it was awful. They need to fix that. There was uh, there was one negative, if you will, in the game, but ran the football well. Corral looked healthy. The receivers looked healthy. Ole Miss will have Mingo back, I think, this week, and they'll probably keep him on a on a pitch count, if you will, and have him ready for the Egg Bowl. And State's come back. Just um, it was twenty eight to three at one point. Twenty eight to three, unbelievable, unbelievable. So, 
Let's look at what else happened in college football. We're an hour into it. What else happened in the top 25? So I told you guys Georgia was going to, or Tennessee was going to be able to score on Georgia. And they got beat 41 to 17. Georgia's just really impressive right now. I mean, everything. I, I don't know if st- it's so weird to say because Georgia is the best team in college football, right? It's the best team in college football, clearly. But is Stetson Bennett going to beat Ohio State? Are they? Or is he? I mean, I mean, I don't know. I, Georgia's biggest test of the season was Saturday, and it was a 5-4 and four Tennessee team who lost to Pittsburgh and Ole Miss at home. That was their biggest test of the year. I just, I know, I know. I Like, I'm trying to talk myself into thinking that they're not just going to run through the playoff. It's hard. I don't want to go all Max Kellerman on you, but I think that Georgia hasn't been tested enough to where we really know for sure if they are clear-cut better than everybody else. We'll see. We'll see in the SEC Championship. Um, Oregon got a nice win over Washington State. It was close. Uh, Oregon probably is going to make the playoff. I think they won't be competitive in the playoff. They're good, but not great. But they're winning. That's all that matters. Uh, Purdue tried to be a giant killer in Columbus. Didn't matter. Ohio State's playing really good football right now, especially offensively. Really good football right now. Michigan Michigan got a nice win at Penn State. Here's what's going to happen, though. Michigan's going to lose to Ohio State. That's what's going to happen. That'll be a number three or four versus number four or five game this year. It's going to be an incredible environment, and Ohio State's going to win. Michigan, I, I don't think they have enough offensive firepower to keep up with the likes of Ohio State. That's for sure. Michigan State, uh, they bounced back, got a win over Maryland at home. Um, Kenny Walker had a really nice day. Oklahoma-Baylor. Oklahoma-Baylor, uh, I said it at the very beginning, thank goodness that we can stop the Caleb Williams for Heisman thing. That just, I'm so glad that we don't have to do that anymore. Um that's a brutal loss for the Big 12 because they're not going to make the playoff now. I mean, I, unless Oklahoma State finds their way in there, which they can, um, I don't think they're going to make the playoff now. And if Oregon loses, the Pac-12 won't make the playoff. And the ACC is out. Wake Forest is not climbing all the way up to be a playoff team again. That's a brutal one for Oklahoma. Brutal for uh, for Oklahoma. But hey, crown him the Heisman. Notre Dame, I've been warning you guys about Notre Dame. They got a really nice win over Virginia yesterday. Oklahoma play or Oklahoma State playing really well right now. Bedlam could be potentially really important playoff implicated. Uh other than that, not a whole lot of excitement. I was surprised to see the uh, South Carolina-Missouri score. Obviously, Texas-Kansas is hilarious. But in terms of like really cool stuff that happened this weekend, you don't have to look much farther than here. I mean, it was Baylor beating Oklahoma, which was the, the, the biggest deal of the weekend in terms of... Ah, maybe not. What What's bigger? What's bigger? All, State coming back from down 25, Texas A&M losing, or Oklahoma losing? It's Oklahoma losing, right? But around here, it's an incredible weekend. Elsewhere in college football, not so much. But here, it was awesome. William, I agree with this. If Georgia doesn't win it all this year, they won't ever. I agree with that. Chase saying, in a, a little break from state sports, another week of new wondering how Dave Aranda isn't near the top of the LSU candidate list. Isn't that mind-blowing? I mean, there. I, yesterday I was talking to some people, and the prevailing thought is, don't count out Jimbo. They're going to try to hire Jimbo. Well, at this point, who's doing a better job? Is it Dave Aranda or is it Jimbo? Who's doing a better job right now? It's the easy answer. Maybe he is. I, I don't know. 
not a whole lot coming out of that search lately, except for don't count out Jimbo. Don't count out Jimbo. But damn, man. Dave Randa's got Baylor rolling right now. And he was great when he was the D.C. at LSU. Like, he's familiar with the place. There's not a history, a, a bad blood, if you will, history there. I'm just not impressed right now with... How can I put this? I think Texas A&M should have made the playoff last year. And so how can I say I'm not impressed when I can also argue that? Um, Offense, especially in quarterback development, has been not good. And if you're going to win in the SEC, don't you have to do that and do that well? I mean, Calzada had one incredible game against Alabama, but largely just not impressive, not improving. I don't know. It's a good question, though. He should be. Dennis says, as long as Bennett plays against the Buckeye D and doesn't have to play defensive back, he'll be good against Ohio State. That's fair. Ohio State does give up a lot, a lot of points and yards. Yeah, Chase, I agree. Too many chases in the chat these days. I'll start going last name if you guys uh, if you guys want. Jason says, Stetson Bennett made some throws yesterday. He's good enough as long as they run the ball and their DBs make quarterbacks throw perfect passes like yesterday. Thing about, I keep using Ohio State as an example. I mean, they're going to have to do it against Alabama, too, here in a few weeks. But Ohio State's got NFL-caliber offensive line, running back, and wide receivers. I mean, you can argue that it's Ohio State that has the best offensive talent that Georgia will see this year if they happen to meet in the playoff. It's close, marginal, over Alabama. Zach with another stat. Will Rogers now has the record for career completion percentage at 73.1%. The gap between him and number two, Colt Brennan, at 70.4 is the same as the gap between two and number 20. Damn. And again, yesterday, the difference in that offense when he goes vertical changes things. You guys heard me just whine and complain about average depth of target. It was so frustrating to watch that offense because it was just nothing but check downs and underneath, and it was never going to score to high volume. Now he's throwing the football down the field, and the efficiency may, has remained. Jason says Oregon has Utah next week. Keep an eye on that one. Definitely will. Chase says, throw out year one for COVID, and in year two, Dave has a top 10 Baylor team. We know he can recruit and field an LSU defense. Give him the budget to hire this guy offensive, hire his guy offensively, and let them roll. And they absolutely would. I, I, I don't understand why he's not like why LSU fans are not like bring Dave back. G- give us Aranda. Forget Jimbo. Give me. I don't understand that. Sebastian said, "There's there's going to be a serious game of head coaches playing musical chairs when Franklin announces his departure and LSU names their next guy. Well, where's Franklin going to go?" You want to hire that guy right now? I may not. And I do agree with this. Bennett is their better option. I just never saw the hype around Daniels. Me either. He lost his job at Southern Cal and couldn't beat out Country Club the fourth. Chase says, I don't think Lane leaves this year. That being said, unforeseen wild card in the picture, though, if the Florida job becomes open when we didn't think it would be on the table. True, although I do not believe that Scott Strickland and Lane Kiffin would. I do not believe Scott Strickland would immediately target Lane Kiffin. There's some personality differences. Now, Florida, let's not kid ourselves. Florida is a better job than the one he's currently got. But I think there are some personality differences. I don't know if Strickland would go straight to him for what that's worth. But anyway, don't forget, subscribe on YouTube. Michael Borky on YouTube, subscribe uh, to me there. Thank you guys for tuning in on uh, on this Sunday morning. I'm going to go hang out with the little guy and watch the Saints win, hopefully, without Alvin Kamara. We'll see. Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I appreciate you. 
Enjoy the wins. My gosh. I mean, what a weekend. Kick back, put your feet up, just enjoy the day. I mean, if you're an Ole Miss or a State fan, something incredible happened last night. Yes, or yesterday afternoon. Enjoy it because that was awesome. And you get a freebie week just to chill and like your team's going to win by a lot and all good. And then you can stress about the egg bowl all week. But until then, enjoy this because that was a lot of fun yesterday. And I'll uh, talk to you guys again tomorrow morning. See you then. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.